Welcome to Leave Your Mark, where I explore the influences that have shaped the lives of our incredible guests. These are the stories of lives worth talking about. Follow me on Twitter at Built by Scott and Instagram at King O'Pain, or link up with me on my Facebook fan page at Scott G. Langston. My goal is to create a community of people who take every opportunity to live high-performing lives. Before I get started on today's podcast, I want to take a moment to connect you with my sponsor, ReconditioningHQ.com. Reconditioning is a method and language of integrated practice. It brings the worlds of therapy and conditioning together and helps them become more powerful and more practical. If you live in one or both of these worlds or you use the services of a therapist or conditioning coach, you know that sometimes they don't see eye to eye. They aren't on the same page. Reconditioning provides a time-tested process for aligning these two worlds and creating impactful solutions to performance problems. Follow them at ReconditioningHQ on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or become a member of their Facebook group, Reconditioning HQ Revolution, and join the Reconditioning Revolution. Hello and welcome to Leave Your Mark. I'm Scott Livingston, and today I have the honor of speaking with Damien Maroney. Damien is a physical therapist and certified strength and conditioning specialist with more than two decades of experience working with professional athletes from the NHL, NWSL, NBA, PGA Tour, Cirque du Soleil, and the X Games. Damien is a member of the senior leadership team at 40 Sport and Health and holds concurrent professional roles with B210 and Red Bull High Performance. I've had the unique opportunity to work with Damien on numerous athlete performance projects and his ability to see the problem and find the solution are exceptional. He's made a difference in the lives of numerous performance athletes and regular Joes, and you know he gains great deal of satisfaction at seeing his clients fly again. He's an amazing practitioner and friend, as well as a great husband and father of two wonderful kids. His story is rich and eclectic and certainly worth a listen. Welcome, Damien. Thank you, Scotty. Um, humbling intro. Um, <laughs> appreciate it. Um, definitely, you know, we go back... Uh, since about 2008. So yeah, it's been a pretty rich experience. So I welcome the opportunity to sit and chat for an hour. As I said, before we got on it, it's kind of sad that we took doing a podcast for us to talk, but hopefully we'll bounce into each other physically. We used to spend a lot of time for the listeners, spend a lot of time together doing different projects with athletes. So I kind of miss my friend across uh, the country. So we're on the opposite <laughs> ends of the spectrum. <laughs> You're coming shortly though. So uh, you know that uh, at the end of the month here at Whistler, we're running one of your courses. So yeah, um, yeah. look forward to, to connecting then. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I know you're an Edmonton guy. What's your fondest memory of growing up there? Um, I, I think my, my fondest memory is probably, I actually grew up in St. Albert, which is uh, technically a, a suburb, essentially, of, of Edmonton. I think mm -hmm. Edmonton, when I was growing up, tried to annex it, but um, St. Albert maintained, it got its own flag and waved <laughs> it around and maintained its city status at the time. And um, And so I think my fondest memory is probably just how active you could be as a youth within within that environment you know you rode your bike everywhere i i had a membership down at the tennis club and and you would ride down to the tennis club you would ride across the city to go see friends um you know you could play uh, every sport that that was available sort of at a you know they had the minor league system and, and I think it was just that it was a, uh, an active time and an active community. And, and I think the thing that I remember was just that it was accessible for, for, for kids in that era. You know, when I look at 
the comparison of our kids now, it's you know, the, the amount of shoveling we do is incredible. And when you add that to a, to a city such as Vancouver, you know, that, that shuttling, if it's at the wrong time, can certainly suck time and energy. So I think there was a, a freedom to it and, mm-hmm. and a, an ability to, to be physical. And, and, and it was a different time. I mean, we rode our bikes through the ravines and under bridges and played, you know, tag through parking lots and it was just you know it's things that you'd be kind of like oh wow my kid's riding his bike with two friends through the ravine um <laughs> it was just the way we we traversed and experienced so. does he have a license for that <laughs> <laughs> how many people are with them um, exactly so, so i think it was a freedom i think it was a there was a physicality and a freedom to it that that's I awesome did you uh were your parents i mean i never really talked about that with the, i know your parents were uh are British uh, immigrants, but what's um, what was their influence on your your sporting life, or, or were they more passive and you just kind of got into stuff as a kid? Um, well, my 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 dad was uh, you know a bit of an Irish fable. He's he was uh, one of thirteen kids, um, the Maronis, and uh, raised on Maroney's pub. So in a in a two bedroom apartment above the pub that his dad owned. Um, <laughs> on uh, on pierce street in uh, in dublin and uh and so because he was the second youngest his his parents had passed uh when he was relatively young so he came over to canada i think around 21 22 and he uh he actually came over and just played rugby pretty much mm. through uh through edmonton calgary vancouver and ended up playing for the national team um so my dad was it was a, and he was not he wasn't a big man he wasn't the typical rugby player we'd see now he's probably uh you know similar to my size and and, and thinner than me but he was you know it was a a passion for him um so and my mom was a, a physiotherapist and you know she grew up kind of skiing and uh with, with her parents and so she came over she finished in london um at i think saint mary's college or so and 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 she came over and took a job in edmonton because she looked on the map and on the map there was edmonton and right above edmonton in a little dot was jasper and so she came over feeling that she would work in edmonton and potentially ski the afternoons in jasper not recognizing that they were actually four hours apart um you know but when you're used to england and how far you could traverse it and take a train and even travel within europe the the recognition of really how large canada was so i think my my parents were active um they never they never really pushed me i was never i was always given opportunity i was always given opportunity to to do sport and activity um and there weren't weren't really limits on what i could engage in but Mm. i didn't take anything to a a mastery level. I wasn't put into hockey schools. I didn't do a lot of coaching or, or, or facilitation. So I was never, I was never pushed and they always kind of believed that it was better to be generally active, um, in a wide variety of things, um, that enabled, you know, me to actually get the sort of physical literacy that, that I, that I have and, and sort of grew off of. So, uh, they were, they were active. They were members of the tennis community. They, I remember them playing badminton. They, um, encouraged me to play soccer and, and hockey and, and ski. Uh, even things that they didn't do themselves, they were never. Uh, they didn't do a lot of skiing at that point. We'd go out cross country skiing, but 
Um, my dad was horrific at it. Um, I think he, I think he broke a number of skis over the years as soon as anything became down. Um, I actually remember one, one memory I have is of my dad learning to skate and I think I was mortified. Um, it was, we had a, we had a power skating and I was, you know, at one of these sort of, I always did power skating as I grew up playing hockey and, you know, I was at a relatively senior level and I could remember my dad down at the other end at the beginning level with microns, those molded skates on. <laughs> but I, but I, but I still, you know, now, it, now I recognize the, the, the fact that he took it on and, and, you know, uh, it wasn't his skill set. It wasn't something that he was good at. And he embraced it, engaged it. And I remember doing, we used to have these skate-a-thons where you had to do 100 laps and you went around the neighborhood and got sponsored in order to do it. And I remember my dad um, doing the skate-a-thon with me. You know, I think I was done and had had lunch and whatever, you know. <laughs> but, um, you know, but he, he did the 100 laps. And, and so now I, I have a... You know, and it's funny in that I reflect on this now and I wouldn't have really thought of this, you know, and it hadn't crossed my mind. But, but you know, it's really, it's, it's impressive for, for now that I reflect back for him to take on something that was a completely foreign and new skill at a mm-hmm. point in his life where, where it was just an engagement and something he wanted to do and something he wanted to learn. So I think that spirit of, of athleticism was, was there, of adventure in a sense was there. Um, but I was never, I was never pushed hard in sport, but I was always given opportunity. When you look back, is there something you, uh, wished you, you had gravitated more towards and tried to compete in, or do you, do you reflect back, uh, positively on the, on the way you sort of your sporting life grew? Oh, I'm sure I felt like I was hard done by, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, the, the untapped potential. Well, your father's um, pictures on your dartboard stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, it was, um, I, I think, you know, at the time I probably gravitated to hockey. I, I, I did a lot of things to a provincial level. I played a lot of school sports. I played um, tennis to a provincial level to summer's game, summer games. I played uh, sort of rep soccer. Uh, I played hockey. Um, I think, uh, I think I was, I was really quite uh, driven physically, I enjoyed it. And, and, um, I think if, if I wanted for anything, it probably would have been more, more coaching, uh, mm-hmm. in a sense that I think there was, there was sports that whether it was hockey or, or tennis, um, I feel like if I, I would have liked to have done more in terms of some of the hockey camps or opportunity or, or, you know, a little bit more structured of, of that development. Uh, mm-hmm. I had, you know, I did some tennis camps along the way and, and I, I went down a lot to, to the club and we had a pros that we would hit with. And I ended up working there for a while as a, as a junior and helping set up tournaments and, and, and helping some of the younger kids and so forth. But I, yeah, I, I, I probably would have liked the opportunity to have, have pushed at, uh, you know, either hockey or, or soccer. The reality is, should I have pushed at hockey? I mean, I didn't have the body or the size or the physicality to really uh, make it far anyway. I mean, that, mm. Yeah, that would have been the. It would have been. I, I played up into junior, and mm. then I went to university. So um, I, I didn't. I think I played up in junior a little bit as a midget, but I didn't. Uh, uh, yeah, I didn't. Didn't pursue it any further than that. What were the? What are a couple of the most um, significant? what I would call 
personal character takeaways you got from your parents, like uh, that, that you sort of carry with you from how they carried themselves? Um, I think that my, my parents didn't seem to want for a lot. Um, I, you know, I don't know if I carry this with, with me, but certainly it's what, you know, from, from what I, what I, you know, what I admire and respect is, is that they, they didn't, they didn't want for a lot. They weren't particularly materialistic. I think my dad, you know, my dad came from, uh, again, one of 13 and double asking, they raised two cousins as well. You know, I think once wow. you had 13, two more kicking around, and it was a different school system over there. They did, they had boarding school. So an, an, a number of the, the family would be gone as some of them were back and then they would, I'm sure summers were a challenge. Um, but I, I think they, they, they functionally, you know, never really wanted for a lot of material things and, and, and still don't to, to this day. And I think that they, um, they gave a lot of their time. They were there for, for things that I did, for activities, for sports, for contests. So, so they were consistently a presence. Um, we, you know, we didn't eat out a lot. We, even on birthdays and, and so it was, it was relatively a supportive environment. Um, I felt engaged in it. Um, and I, I think that they, gave me opportunities along the way. So mm-hmm. I think it was, uh, you know, when I reflect back on it, it was a real, you know, it was a, it, it was a chance I, I pushed out against it. You know, of course I wanted for more, I wanted the cool things, I, but I had to then fundamentally get them myself. I had a, I had jobs and uh, I had to work construction and or concrete and, it, you know, and get my own. I remember my first vehicle. I can't believe my parents let me have it, but my first vehicle was a motorbike and, and, and it was because it was the only thing I could afford and it would get me out to the job sites. And I remember riding in the pouring rain in Edmonton, um, just trying to get back and forth because our job site had been shut down. But it was really on me to, to figure out, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, we didn't have a lot. I had to, I had to pay for most of my schooling. They did what they could. Uh, I took a few loans, but didn't end up coming out with that much debt. And I think it gave me a motivation to find my way and to, and to figure it out. Cool. So tell me about that. How did you find physical therapy? Like what, what was the process of that for you, uh, your discovery? Well, I mean, again, I think that partly comes back to family influence. My, my, my mother's a, a physical mm-hmm. therapist. She came over. And, and so I was exposed to the profession at a younger age than, than you may have. So it, it, it found me. Essentially, it was there in front of me. Now, my mom had a very different role in it. She wasn't in sport. She, was in a, um, she worked at a child development center. She worked with handicapped kids. And, uh, and so I knew about it. And I would... Uh, consequently on my days off from school, I would, I would go, I would go to the child development center because it was a blast. I, they had the trampoline, they had pool, they had bolsters, they had bikes, they had, you know, it was this sort of physical gym in order to work with these kids with, with handicapped areas. But at the same point, you got to know the kids with, with their disabilities and appreciate them for who they were. And I think that that was, uh, uh, you know, a, a good opportunity as a, as a young you know, as a, as a kid, essentially growing mm-hmm. up and, 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 and you got to see the impact of people helping them and, and working, working with them. So I think I was exposed to what the profession was, 
Um, I always had a sense of sort of doing something medical uh, and whether it was in as a physician or whether it was as you know, sport therapist, I, I expanded and looked at, at physiotherapy. And then I knew a couple of people that were close in age in, uh, ahead of me that got into physical therapy school. And, and I was like, wow, well, if they can do it, maybe, maybe it is an opportunity. And, and, and somebody who I'd known from, from younger through junior high got in the year before me. And I was like, well, if he can get in, maybe I, maybe I got a shot. Um, and, and so I, I applied out of high school and at that time you could go in out of high school and, and, and I somehow, uh, talked my way in, I guess. Um, my marks were, my marks were good, but not great. They were, they were good. They were good enough to give me a shot. And uh, I somehow, uh, um, got my way in and, and I started very young. I started actually at 17, uh, mm. at university of Alberta and, and I was finished at 21. And I had my degree. And at that time, you graduated with a BSc in physiotherapy and off you went. And so that was the start of it. Mm. So, you know, one of the things I've always admired in you, and that's kind of why I asked about your sporting background to a degree, was you have, uh, I don't know how to say this without sounding like I'm offending you, but you, you don't come across like some kind of athlete in a sense in the way you express yourself on in a day-to-day basis but you are very athletic and you have a lot of and you almost it's almost like a quiet athleticism and i'm i'm interested in you know when you got into physical therapy and you got into 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 the work you started doing you've always had a very powerful affinity for seeing movement seeing the quality of what the person do, does and connecting with the different kinds of sports like you've worked with a a very dynamic portfolio of different kinds of sports. And, you know, I just want to hear about the draw to that, the connection to that, sort of your quiet connection to, to sport in some sense, what, what that's all about in you, if you can. Yeah, I know what I, if you know I, what I know, I'm saying. I know what you're saying for sure. Um, I think, yeah, it's interesting. And I think that, you know, when I, when I look at it, we speak a lot these days on, on physical literacy and, and I think there's more of a movement towards it because we see the, the generation changing. But I do fundamentally feel that I've been successful in my career because of the exposure to such a variety of sport. And, and a, a fair bit of that was self-driven in terms of, you know, I was an only child. Uh, we, had a, we had a house with a, with a fairly large unfinished basement in it. As, as I grew up and I had sort of every sporting apparatus down there. Um, possible. I broke hockey nets. Um, I had uh, chalk. I had to switch to chalk on the walls after I'd bust one of the hockey nets that I had down there, but I, I had chalk on the walls that had a hockey net drawn on it with targets. It had a tennis net drawn across the line. Um, we had a ping pong table. We had darts and I could go down, I could shoot pucks, I could fire. And it was just about, the challenge of it. And it was mm-hmm. like, we had rafters, there was a supporting beam with rafters. And, and my challenge would always be to throw different balls of different sizes through, through the holes. Um, or I had uh, um, these small football helmets that were mounted and I would try to knock them off the shelves. And, you know, periodically I would bust a window. Um, so I wasn't always accurate or it would deflect off something. But I think I enjoyed the, the physical challenge. And I think by having a, a, a sporting background that involved racket sports, hand-eye coordination, um, running, skating. Uh, I have a relatively robust physicality and, 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 and I, had, I have an affinity to mimic movement and, mm-hmm. and see movement and, and 
and mimic it and, and figure out aspects. I'm not a technical expert in the sports that I necessarily always come into. Um, and, and I fundamentally believe in getting with a technical expert and, and linking with a coach. And, and often the coach has the eye and has the, an idea of what they're looking to get out of that athlete or asking for them or seeing. And the athlete may or may not be able to respond to that. And I think um, part of what I look at doing is how do we unlock that ability to respond to coaching and cueing? And what are some of the, 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 the barriers within that? And how do we create some solutions around giving them the opportunity to respond, whether it's figuring it out themselves in some of these sports that are, are more dynamic and less, uh, less coachable, like snowboarding where they're doing uh, triple courts with four and a half times, or so three times off access and four and a half spins plus now in the air. They're going to figure out themselves, but I'll look at how do we build more tools and more options for them to utilize in what they're doing. So I think the nature of of playing racket sports of going out golfing of playing hockey of skiing gives a wide range of of sort of movement skill Mm -hmm. um and and has a chance then to as i see sport or come into sport uh start to start to figure it out and i think more importantly as you generate some of the solutions around how do you put it back in, in a, in a performance context? And that's really probably the, I think people are good at giving isolation of skills or challenges or drills, but how do we put it back into something that's relevant in the context of performance? Mm-hmm. And, and again, I think that that's something that I really enjoy as a conversation, uh, be it with coaches, be it with athletes, be it with other practitioners or professionals or strength coaches um so i think that that's you know an avenue that i've uh, certainly explored over the years tell, tell me about that passion or that enjoyment what where does that uh, reside from when did you discover it and and what is it about that 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 is uh, impassioning to you is it the fact that you can figure it out or the you know what what resonates with you with athletes like in terms of no in the the sense that you know this connection to the spirit of the movement that they're doing and and trying to figure out how you can you know better that uh without necessarily being a skills coach but you you definitely have an affinity and connection to what is it that the athlete does i mean this gets into that sort of discussion around does a conditioning coach or training coach or professional work on strength and the sort of fundamentals or do they start to work on stuff that's a little bit more connecting to the sport and you obviously have an affinity for that where where does that come from in your stomach so to speak yeah i I think it's probably a a sense of where you're you know where do you partly fit in and and Mm -hmm. where do you fill fill gaps within athlete performance or rehab and and from a rehab state we're often not starting from a from a loaded state, we're asking the why, why, you know, why did the tissue break down? Was it impact based or was it due to repetitive overload or, or a poor strategy behind it or, or fundamentally, you know, not enough um, strength or fitness that expose them. I will say that I have a, a massive respect still for, for strength. And I challenge um, that we need to consistently add load. We need to add, um, variability we need to add a lot a lot more versus just efficiency or effectiveness of of movement but what i try to do is create uh create options to to add load challenge with load 
but and then fundamentally individual still needs that aspect of strength and development and in order to be robust mm-hmm. uh, and 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 to to be out there so so i think that that my affinity has probably come from again sort of a a context of physical literacy a context of creating solutions and and then working with and and in conjunction with with professionals that had uh, a more thorough in-depth knowledge of the other other aspects of development that i think are are equally important uh, Mm -hmm. in terms of the conditioning the the loading the consistent load that the sport specific demands because you can you know i could move beautifully and not push a bobsled very fast mm-hmm. um and and so fundamentally there's a there's a there's a lot of context to sport and performance and i think you know where i've found a home is trying to engage and and, and link those and at times uh, that's a team effort. And at times I might be producing, you know, or, or assisting in one part of that puzzle. Mm-hmm. You and I worked, uh, a lot in a project, uh, known as B210 going into the 2210 Olympics. And I, you know, I just want you to reflect back on, you know, when we first met and then connecting and, and the process of going into the 2010 Olympics, what was, what was maybe your most, um, powerful takeaway from that experience? I have a lot. I have a lot of them. And, and, you know, Scotty, you're somebody who I consider a mentor. I consider you a, a professional colleague. I consider you a friend. And, and I think that, um, you know, our, our meeting and the opportunity to meet you, you know, the first time I remember I'd been, I'd done some work consulting and, and I'd been teaching and, and, and doing some courses and uh, I ended up coming out out east i'd done some work with hockey canada and and that led to me coming out east with with steve lidstone another great professional and i presented a course that that he had me do and your wife was on it and she said oh you've got to come up to quebec and i'd really like you to meet my husband and who's at that time you're the strength condition coach with the montreal canadians and we ended up meeting after a game and and it was just an immediate uh, connection in terms of uh, the the discussion was engaging and, and we talked a bit about athletes and, and we were kind of interrupted in it. And, and you said, listen, the biggest challenge for me is, is going to courses, but I have some budget and would be interested in bringing you out if, if possible to come out for the summertime and, and present some of your material for, you know, how it would apply to, to the, the work we're doing with the, with the team and within the organization. And, and I, and I came out to do that. And, and actually it's, it's, it's ironic in that just this week I was looking for something and, and I came across here and I've got, I know, cause we're talking on computer here, but this is came across <laughs> my desk. And for, for those that are listening, it's listening. Montreal Canadians off season training manual from 2009. Um, and I actually, you know, I actually had the 2008 one as well, but, but in meeting you, uh, you know, and, and even this, I mean, I, I'm sure that you take great pride in this and, and, and this is sort of a was a synthesis of your nine years of working with the team, and it was just so, um, you know, it was so outlaid. Well, it had training and preparation, it had rehab and prehab, it had movement and mobility, it had uh, a plan for the athletes for their entire off season. But and knowing that most of them were going off to their own people, but it had a it had a plan for forwards versus defense versus goalies. And if we go back, this is ten years ago, there was less of that going on. And, and there was nutrition and there was recovery and there was a diary to it. And, 
I even have the DVD in the background. I can probably sell this. <laughs> so, Too funny. but, but I, but in, in, in having that, it was like, wow, like that's a level of expertise and skill set that I, that I, that I had an immediate respect for in terms of its, its outlay. And it was an aspect that was at an, at an elevation of, of what I was doing, but was integrally important to athlete a preparation, B development and C rehab. And, and so I wanted to know more as well. And, and so that led to, uh, you invited me into B210 in the early days. You, you were kind of pushing out from the Montreal Canadiens. You're like, you know what? I'm really inspired by this, this, this group and this Olympic program and opportunity to work, you know, prioritized around specific individuals. Because while you did this amazing program and all this work, you know relatively how many guys were literally following it. Probably mm-hmm. wasn't too many in, in, in the reality of. Whereas when you came into this B210 program, it was an opportunity to truly connect with individuals that were open, engaged, and, and looking for that, that, that advice, that engagement. And so that was, uh, you invited me in to, to be a part of it. And it was a true learning opportunity, um, both in terms of accountability, leadership, um, mentorship, uh, professional camaraderie and 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 it, it was at a different level from from what I'd done because once you start coming into these Olympians lives they get one shot every four years mm-hmm. and so and and it's over relatively quickly and and there's so much that goes into it people don't 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 really truly recognize and realize and and it there's a phenomenal amount of trust for them to come forward and say listen i want you to be a part of this process um so there was immediately an elevated level of accountability there was an elevated level of responsibility and there was an elevated level for me to you know continue to grow and learn uh in 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 the opportunity to provide these these individuals that we were interacting with, with, with their shot. And so I, I think that that changed, changed the way of working and, and, and even teaching and consulting you're in and out and it's a snapshot and, and, and it's great. But this was a, this was a, an opportunity within to, to, to really engage and to engage in a level that you, you were you know, truly accountable to supporting performance. Mm-hmm. How, how, did you grow during that time when you, when you look at yourself, was it, um, what was well, the I, growth piece for you personally? I think the, the growth piece for me at that time, I, you know, I, I was probably I, one of the younger professionals around the table. Uh, you know, it was a small group. Uh, and I think at that time, this was, uh, early days. We now, talk a lot about purpose we we talk a lot about um engagement and these sort of things but at that time you know prior to prior to 2010 there was there was less of that on the you know in the in the main dialogue of of as we were working and and i think that uh, we had a we had a mental performance professional richard monet and and he was very passionate about purpose and 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 purpose maps and we had to engage on ongoing 
discussions, dialogues, determining our purpose, rating our purpose, evaluating how effective we were, determining our critical success factors as we interacted with organizations and individuals. And, and we certainly, you know, we had challenging relationships. We had extremely positive relationships. It was a, you know, we were, I felt, pushing the wake in terms of as we came into the system. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were constantly challenging ourselves to be better, to grow from and learn from, from those things and, and reevaluating our, our progress and process. And so, you know, I think, I think that was the first real connection to me. And it, and it, it changed the context of my um, conversations with athletes as they had questions, as we looked towards performance, because I knew I would be accountable to, to the answers and the directions. I knew that I would be challenged to it and it, it, it made me better. Um, You know, I had people in the room that had had a lot more experience at a, at a leadership level and you know we're 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 mentors and friends that we could talk about these scenarios and grow from and learn from and and over now the the nine years that i've been involved with them you know there's been certainly a growth in how i come into an engagement with an organization now uh in that i can sit down with 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 their top end and people or or their you know people that are making decisions or high performance directors or or coaches and have that conversation from from experience of Mm. of you know being able to now be more of that sounding board on accountability purpose objectives priorities and and being able to now kind of assist in that that role towards advice decision making support Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I, I, I really feel like I grew a lot in it. I mean, I mean, I, I think I had tremendous, I feel privileged in the experience. I had tremendous opportunity in terms of engaging with, uh, elite athletes again, in a, in a, in a sense that they were preparing for, for, you know, a, a momentous event in their lives. And I've now been fortunate enough to attend you know, four Olympics, um, and, and, and have the chance to witness them not only going through the process, but, but also to be there and be engaged in, in their performance. And, and I think that uh, that aspect um, I'm extremely appreciative for. I, I'm going to come back to what you just talked about in a second, but I wanted to ask you this question before we go on. And it's sort of for the listener who's maybe a younger professional. There's oftentimes, and I talked to Jerry Ramajita about this as well, I know you know very well, Sometimes you look at the resumes of the guys that, uh, you know, there's been a lot of guys that I've interviewed who, such as yourself, who've got great resumes, have worked with some amazing athletes, but, and younger people will go, well, I want to do that. But their, mm-hmm. the perspective of how you go from point A to point B is not very clear. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's muddled in the sense that, well, you know, they don't recognize how, what goes into getting to that place and just reflect for yourself, like uh, as though you're sort of giving advice in a sense to a younger person that what's, what the, what, what, what it really takes to work with a, a Mark McMorris or to, you know, and to be able to make those kinds of uh, decisions and, and um, them trust what you're saying. Um, I think it takes, a, you know, I think we have to, you, you build your experience, you build your, uh, you, you, you find opportunity to first off invest in yourself. 
And, and I think that you have to have an aspect of, of experience behind that. Otherwise you're both completely winging it, um, which, which you know, may work. Um, but I think that I, I think it takes a, a, it takes an amount of, of self-investment before you're, 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 you're really ready. It takes some time where you've been through it and you've made some mistakes and you've learned from them and you've grown and you've expanded. And, and, um, you know, if you can find, uh, mentors that have provided you that opportunity to be a sounding board or, or get an experience behind you that, that allows you to bring more to the table. You know, you take courses, you, you know, and you, what I find these days is, is, is there needs to be some patience to allow that material to percolate, to, to work with it, to synthesize it, to figure out where it fits and where it doesn't fit, what parts are good, what parts, don't work as well within the way that you approach things or manage them um, and how you deliver them. And, and then you challenge it back again and you can review that same material again. You know, one of the greatest times I had was, was, you know, as I had a great mentor, uh, Mark Comerford, who I believed was one of the best um, at that time in what he was presenting on, on uh, stability, dysfunction and movement and retraining and I had the opportunity to attend uh, courses as an assistant with him. And then we would meet in the UK with people from 13 different countries. And we would discuss modeling and clinical presentations and challenges and how to tweak and work, work for it. And then when I went down and I would go down to, to Denver and assist on, a, on courses with him, and we would, we'd do six of seven days for two weeks. And... I didn't get paid for that time. It was, you know, I think, I think they managed to get me down there, but I, but it was, it was an opportunity to not only hear him present and teach uh, and to learn in terms of being an assistant, to make it make sense to people and to make quick and learn quick decisions to teach something that somebody got that aha moment of how they could utilize it and use it. But it was also an opportunity to hear the same material presented multiple times over and over again we did multiple different courses for for regional areas and then sort of pulled it together on broader holistic perspectives but hearing the same material over and over again you recognize how little you got uh, through the first time you took a course and mm -hmm. and as you hear it more often you pick up more nuances to it and you grow and you develop in it and i think there's an aspect in order to be proficient at what you're doing of really working with the material taking some time and, and, and learning from it. And so that when you come into these athlete experiences, it's having a, a fairly extensive experience behind you to, to help generate solutions that are applicable to that individual, mm -hmm. both in terms of how and who they are and, and, then, and then the sport that they're, they're looking to do and the nature and the need of, of what the demands are going to be in, in that environment. And, mm -hmm. and so I think really it's, you know, my encouragement would be invest in yourself, um, take your time, find a mentor and, and don't, don't, you know, the opportunities will come as you, as you gain that, that, that skill set. if that's the way you want to pursue and you continually put yourself in the, the environments that provide you that opportunity mm -hmm. and you've got to seek those environments at times. And, and, and from there it's, it's connections and it's how, you know, how, how do you come into an environment and how do people feel when you're engaged in that? 
Um, and I think from there, there's opportunities to grow. And, and so that would be my, my advice is bottom line is slow down a little bit. <laughs> don't be in such a rush <laughs> yeah i mean i think we i think that's what i see these days there's so much access to material and information and 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 there's this you know it, it's impressive and and i think the the new grads coming out their 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 knowledge and their their access to information is is impressive and but but they need to work with it for a while and you need to just learn and and make some mistakes and challenge and get in an, in an environment that that's stimulating and engaging. And then from there, you've got to put yourself in an environment for opportunity and, and that it, you know, it's not going to necessarily just come to you and some things are going to blossom out further than you expected. And some things are going to not go as far as you might've expected. But what I found interesting about this is, is, is that a lot of the relationships that we've had through high performance sport are long-term relationships. Mm-hmm. That, that there's a lot of people on the podcast that you've done that I've interacted with over the years and have great respect for and have great learnings from, um, you know, and, and I think that they, you might not see them for five years, but all of a sudden they're the head of a, of a program coming back in. And, you know, so really the, how you engage in relationships and how you leave those relationships will continue to influence your career moving forward. Good advice. I like that. I'm going to use that moment to segue to a piece I do in my podcast. I don't know how many, how many you've listened to or if you've listened to any of them. But oh, I was Scotty, I'm a skeptic <laughs> coming in, but let's let's hear it. <laughs> well, you are you are born the same day as my lovely wife. So I know, and I I feel like we're, we're quite different. So very different people. But that's the the heart of this is not that 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 you should be the same it's that there's an underlying current and you know, does it does it take year into effect because i'm significantly <laughs> older than your wife <laughs> i'm far more mature at this day i don't know sometimes i question that one but anyway, uh, i digress scorpio three uh to overcome well, I like term though I, I like scorpio three scorpio three it sounds that like could you, be my, that could be my spine yeah he sounds like a James Bondian sort of villain, I think. Absolutely. Scorpio <laughs> 3 is on the move. <laughs> and it fits the beard as well, too. Um, purpose, to overcome your defiance of authority. I can see that. By de- dedicating your experience, knowledge, and leadership ability to a higher cause, knowing that through service to others, you will achieve the perfection and greatness that you desire. Human beings, by changing their inner attitudes of their minds, can change the outer aspects of their lives, lives, George Bernard Shaw. Scorpio 3's beliefs are what give them confidence. They've tested the beliefs in the world and know they work. Their attraction to difficult, even insurmountable projects or people is a problem. Their life becomes a never-ending quest for an impossible goal. If, like, life chooses to reward their efforts they might face another dilemma how to deal with receiving instead of conquering however if they are experienced if they experienced a defeat too early in life before having gained self-confidence they will doubt their ability to do great things it is important that the scorpio threes realize that their need to accomplish things of an heroic nature and make themselves aware of the difficulties they create through this desire Scorpio 3 is a loner, and intimacy is a problem. They love freedom, and they live by their own rules. Loyalty, truth, and justice are important. Authority is always an issue. 
Scorpio 3 should be his own boss. They use their ironic sense of humor to keep some people at bay and everyone laughing. Love of travel and foreign things is common, as well as feeling that fate is closing in on their freedom. The Scorpio 3 is a born leader. They can either be rebels or persons who want to be recognized as important by society. What they need more than anything else is faith in themselves, based not on impossible dreams, but on actual experience. Well, well I, I, <laughs> I know you pretty good, and there's a fair, fairly uh, good thread of stuff in there. On you. There, there definitely is a like. I, I feel like you could probably read quite a few of them, and there would be threads in. But there are definitely, um, there are definitely some key characteristics in there. Um, the I, you know, I don't know that I long for greatness, but I, but I, but there is a, there certainly is a an aspect where I do desire freedom. I mean, you know me well enough. Structure is terrifying to me. Um, I have to really work to, to, to fall into structure. And I think most that, that know me, um, you know, know the way that I am. So, so there is a, there are a lot of, there are a lot of nuggets in there and, and, and threads in there of, of who I am. So well, the I will anti, anti-authority and the loner piece are you and my wife are, are very, um, equal, equidistant, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do. I, I thrive a bit more in that ability to, you know, I'm not well when I'm, when I'm, when I'm bound by, by real strong context. And, and so it, it is interesting to me there. So I'll, I'll you know, I don't know if I'm converted. I've made you a believer yet. I don't think I'm a believer in numerology and astrology, but I will say that there are some definitive traits in there that I would uh, I would definitely relate to. <laughs> oh, good! I moved the rock a little bit. I like. Yeah, it. and those, and, and I'm sure I'm sure like there's a number of athletes that I've worked with that the you know the ironic sense of humor, <laughs> and, and, and or you know which may occasionally you know push towards. I, I now use the word cajoling. Uh, <laughs> that's better than mocking. <laughs> um, I've watched and experienced it. Yeah, it's joke. it's a challenge. It's I always, you know, I want people to 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 challenge to to want or to to rise to um, to they they know they earn compliments. Let's put it that way. <laughs> taking taking that as my next springboard you have worked in on some really um powerful project athlete projects in your life some have been very successful and, and some have been really tough and you and i have worked on a couple together um talk about maybe one of the, the most difficult ones for you that really really tore tore a strip out of you and then one that was really you know really rewarding in the end from, from a success perspective? Um, I think a difficult one for me, and it, it actually ultimately ended up, you know, relatively successful, but was very difficult. Was a, was a young lady who was, uh, and, and the athletes that I talk about have either, are either, you know, relatively well-documented or have articles out or have done, um, videos are i've actually chatted with them in terms of of that this this may come up in the context of this so um you know i won't speak to anything that i feel 
confidential, but, but the athletes that I do speak to, I've, I've generally talked about or their stories are relatively well known. And, and so there was an athlete, Spencer O'Brien, who's a, who's a snowboarder and, and she was a great snowboarder. She was at the forefront of, of the sport and, and the Olympics were, were coming in in Sochi. And, and I think the, uh, the, the sports that get added at that time, I think the athletes realize that they're a big deal. The Olympics, they don't realize how big and they don't realize how hard and they don't realize that if, if they're, successful or not successful that it can be four years until they're going to return again and it might be difficult to be at the pinnacle of their sport but I think Spencer had a sense of 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 responsibility going into these Olympics as she was at at the top of her field and you know she had a heritage that she was proud of and she was representing Canada and as as we moved through towards the you know the probably about two years out it started to be a real struggle. She'd had a history of injuries in the past. And, and, and on top of that, she, you know, it just, her body seemed to be deteriorating. And, um, you know, this was a young, robust athlete and she would, she would come back and, and, and kind of as we went through and we're training, we're training for this penultimate event and, and she couldn't load her shoulders were painful. Her, her, knees hurt and and her, her mid back and she was just she was struggling and you'd see her come in she she would walk through the her, her attitude never wavered but she'd walk through the gym and she'd look like she was about 75 and and this was, was somebody who's competing and 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 you know it was a constant question of what was going on we continually referred you know back to the doctor we talked with her mental performance we talked with 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 specialists and 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 we couldn't couldn't seem to figure out and and even as late as december of the olympic year and the olympics were i think around february 12th or so that year going into sochi and as as late as mid-december she wasn't riding a snowboard and 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 people didn't know what was wrong we didn't exactly know what was wrong and it was this arduous work through of of you know tough days of not being able to load or, or, or stress or strain. And ultimately what I, what I feel extremely empowered about was, was the, the number of conversations. And, and at that time I wasn't in the, the system. I wasn't part of um, Canada snowboard or, or the, their, uh, um, their actual internal uh, structure, but, but I was engaged in it. We were all trying to create solutions. We were all talking as a group between our doctors. We had some other practitioners that were helping and, and, and the specialists. And, and we were all just trying to create a solution for this. And it was, it was tough, hard days. It was hard for her. It was hard for her mentally. And, uh, and you know, through all of these conversations, we were getting closer. We were running out of time. And we were finding bits that were, were linking in. She you know, turned out to be extremely low on iron and had to have an iron infusion and and then we got supplemental oxygen moved out when she went out to 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 Colorado because it was getting closer and we were trying to get in some sort of competition coming prior to the games and eventually it 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 unlocked amongst one of the specialists and through the docs work and we found the right medication and it turned out to be you know they initially labeled it as one type of arthritis spondylopathy and then they you know they've since rebranded it as rheumatoid arthritis and, uh, and, and so she was, you know, rheumatic and all the joints were inflamed and all, all these structures were irritable. And it was, 
incredibly frustrating and they didn't respond normally to load and stress. And, and ultimately through ongoing conversations and engagement and a real openness from, from all parties to just try to generate a solution around this, um, ultimately the medical doctors found the right combination of, uh, of medications and her body opened up and freed up and, 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 and all of a sudden created an opportunity for her, her to perform. And, and she went into those Olympics and it was one of my moments of pride from multiple senses is that, you know, we as an organization at B210 had been kind of in conjunction with varying sport organizations. And some of those relationships in the early days weren't as successful. And these were still, this was 2010, this was 2014. And, and this was an opportunity whereby we showed that external consultants and internal support structure and an openness and the, the, the team around my support around Mark and, and Spencer, you know, found a way that they had their own staff, but also brought me in and, and we engaged in a cooperative nature. And I was brought into the games themselves to work both with Spencer and Mark. And we had, you know, engaged meetings. And this athlete fundamentally got to a point where on, on that day, uh, had had enough volume had built up and had competed and, and really um, had an opportunity and she competed extremely well in the semifinals and, and rated high and came through into the finals and, and, and had a tough performance. She, you, I, think, I think there was only two runs in the finals and, and she fell on both of them. <clears throat> but she fundamentally went for it. She had a run that would have put her on the podium. And in falling, it was falling because she didn't you know, say, well, I'm going to do the Olympics and come out sixth or fifth. I'm going to go for the podium. And, and you know, and she ended up, last in the final she ended up I think 12th in the final uh, and she was crushed and she was devastated and and had a tough time coming out for media and and in fact it was one of my proudest projects in a sense it it, it beat us up because it showed cooperation it showed communication it showed an athlete having that opportunity and it showed that we found an answer to give them a shot on that day and whether they succeed on that day oh are you there yep mm-hmm. um, I've just I've lost your your image here. Um, so whether they succeed on that day or whether they 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 aren't successful, they had they had the shot and the opportunity, and it was it was such a a, a good story. And it, it in the end it ended up you know she felt beat up by it and she had a tough time with it. And I think that that aspect is 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 something that we we don't see behind, behind unless you're behind the scenes in, in how tough some of these journeys are how much of a struggle, the emotional toll, the physical toll. Uh, and then ultimately the athlete still feels this, they're defined by a level of success that if they're not, they don't truly make it on that day, they still feel really distraught about it. And it, it was such a huge success story, but it was a really arduous, tough, tough go in a tough haul. What's, what's been the personal growth for you in experiencing working with some of these amazing athletes and some of these, uh, you know, whether difficult projects or successful projects or what have you, how have you grown as a person because of it? Um, well, I think, well, I think it's a, it's a true privilege to be involved in. And, 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 and we say that, but you, you, you see people at their most vulnerable you recognize that, you know, regardless of who they are in a public profile, uh, you know, first and foremost, they're people and, and, and they're, they're, 
they're struggling at that time or there's a fear that they may not return or there's a fear of a loss of identity or there's um there's a challenge that's that's put in front of you and i think you (laughs) over time grow to a recognition of how important that humanistic connection is and and i think that that's probably been my growth when you're a young therapist you come out and you practice techniques and you take courses and you get the latest technique and you continue to work on it and you're trying to solve problems through you know figuring out the exact biomechanics and structural stress and what technique or joint mobilization you're going to apply and what you realize i think over time and what i've grown in is is so much of it is 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 the empowerment of that individual of the of the connection of the experience that you bring to the to the scenario to support them to laugh with them to challenge them to engage with them and and to you know reaffirm a belief that 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 we can get there and um it doesn't always work out absolutely but but i think that that's the empowerment in in what we do and and that there are there are a lot of different ways a lot of different techniques a lot of things end up crossing over or doing similar or having similar effects on the body um but probably as as i've grown in in this career and as i've grown in 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 the engagements that I've had and the opportunities that I've had, you recognize so much of it comes down to that connection and, and, and relationship and trust. Hmm. What's been the toughest thing about being good at what you do or the, the downside to getting good at what you do? Well, I think, you know, I think you're going to have a common thread with, with everybody in this is time um, challenge. Uh, you, you know, I mean, who, who, who do you take from your family? Uh, and that, you know, I think we all try to, you know, make sure that we connect back and have that, that, that sense of engagement at the same point with your family, but it's, you know, each thing, each event, each engagement, all, seems and is important at the time and and the family's kind of there along the whole run so there's these ebb and flows in in exciting projects um but each one of them takes from from your family time that said i think that that's also incredibly important in my family in 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 twofold in that you know i I know that my wife often would get asked how do you manage with Damien away so often? And, and wouldn't you want to be home more or, or all of these things? But I think there's an aspect whereby I could be home more and have just come along in a clinic and done the same job over, you know, now 27 years and you're burned out and frustrated and disengaged. And, and that's not necessarily productive in, in your home life mm-hmm. either. So I think the ability to model for your kids a, uh, a profession and and an, an engagement that you truly enjoy that you're that you are connected to that you know they're they're fortunate in in what i've done there's been sort of enough profile of people that are you know thankful that they get the, that they see even in whether it's in interviews or you know in documentaries or, or you know postings on different social medias or so forth and you know i think uh, i think they know that that what I've done has had impact. They've had chance to see it. They've had chance to, to, to know that I'm engaged and, and 
committed to it. And so I hope that that models further for them that whatever they do and, and wherever they go, that, that they can, that they can, you know, do something that sustains them and, and enriches. And, and I really do try to in varying projects where, where the opportunity is connect, uh, especially my kids into the athletes that I've, that I've worked with in a sense to know them as people beyond performers and, and because a lot of them are amazing people. And, um, you know, I think a, a great example would, would, I did some work with a project around the goalkeepers with the women's national team and, and for soccer. And I would have to go in periodically on, on, uh, on weekends and, and during things. And if I went in on a weekend and I was working with, with one or two or as a smaller group, I would, or the team was in there. I would, I would occasionally bring my daughter in because again, these are a great group of women and, and they're inspiring and they're, they're, they're motivating. And, and I would uh, bring my daughter in, she would come and she would hang out and she ended up, you know, where she would know a number of, of, you know, she knew the keepers really well, Karina and, and, and Aaron and Steph. And, and she, you know, she got to know a number of the other players and she would play. I remember one day she played like queen of the court with, uh, uh, Christine Sinclair and Dee Matheson and, and Rianne and, and Mary Eve. And, and so these were women that she just knew and she'd had, you know, a bit of a kick around with and knew them and, and, and hung out. And then all of a sudden these same women that were just, you know, great people, good women. You went to the world cup and she attended the world cup in Vancouver. And there's 54,000 people watching these same women that you just knew as people and they're cheering and they're excited and they're motivating and they're inspiring. Um, but you know them as uh, as people, and at the end of the game, people are eight eight rows back trying to get one shoe signed by one of them, and and it, I think that uh, I think to to get to know them, to to get to connect with them, to watch them then perform, to know them outside of that performance is an is a neat opportunity for for them to. Uh, hopefully continue to be inspired to figure out what they want to do and, and where they can have impact in, in, you know, moving forward. That's cool. I know your uh, wife Marina has got Korean heritage, uh, which makes your kids kind of a Korean heritage. Uh, was that a really special moment going over to Pyeongchang with the family and everything and spending some time at the Olympics with that, of the whole family? Yeah, I mean, going into the Olympics, uh, you know, going into these Olympics, I was connected with with the with the Canadian team as a whole with snowboard, and so I, you know, it was a really special group. I I think, you know, there was there were some great athletes and great guys that that unfortunately didn't get to attend. We had, you know, from the men's side, we had six of the top ten in in the world, and we could only bring four, um, and we had strong women as well, with Spencer and and Laurie and and Brooke. And so we had this great group and there was a great group of coaches. There was a great group of support staff. Um, Jeremy Shepard was, was involved and, and just practitioners that I really respected and, and coaches that were open and engaged and really just wanted for the athletes to grow in their performance amongst a group that were already professionals in, in what they do. Um, but I thought it was a special group. I thought it was a special uh, connection and, and I committed a lot more time going into those Olympics. So there was, there was more time away. Mark had been through a massive rebuild. Um, that was the year of his backcountry injury. I mean, he broke everything. Um, and so we'd gone through, you know, a femur fracture uh, rebuild, got back, 
produce performance at an elite level to get him named to to this team as one of the two early named uh, athletes and then one week um one week later after getting named he hit a tree in the backcountry and broke five ribs five transverse processes collapsed a lung ruptured his spleen uh, commuted fracture of the humerus fracture of the pelvis double break in his jaw um and so, you know, was truly on, 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 you know, on, on life support at that point and came back out of it. And, and I think uh, I attended the first event he returned back to, which I think was in November. This was in March that he did it of, of 2018. And, and, and so I attended the first event back in Beijing in November of 2018 and he returned back and won it. And uh, so, you know, it was just, and, and at that same event, Seb, had some issues and, and with his back and, and, and all of a sudden we had to go into kind of a management mode around him to, to, to figure out how we were going to come into the games with it. So bottom line is, is it had taken a lot of my time and, and I committed to attending more events prior to went over to China. We did some of the lead up events and then going into the Olympics, I was away for six weeks because we did the X games and then we flew to Korea and, uh, we flew to Kauai and did a recovery camp going then into Korea because of the snowboard uh, slope style and big air opened the games and closed the games. So we had four weeks there. So I was gone a lot going into that. So I was away from my family a fair bit. And, um, and then they, but for them to be in Korea was the first time I was able to bring my family over and, and have them come. They came to the end of the games, which was the last event. And then we stayed on as a family in Korea and and what was really cool about it was this trip was essentially my wife's parents' dream trip. They could not have orchestrated a better trip. They it was Korea showing off Korea in an Olympic Games venue. Um, they were obviously first generation Koreans. They'd come over to Edmonton um, from Korea, and uh, the chance for us to go back. We'd never been back. They were able to. My my wife had been back multiple times but i'd never been um a chance for them to bring the grandkids back over and introduce them to the family my wife's sister her only sister and her husband and their child came over as well so we had this crew and 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 we stayed on after and we saw the country and we traveled together and we met all of her mom's family on one side and then went down towards busan at the southern part of the island met all of her dad's family on another side and we we traveled and and so I think it was incredibly special. I think the the kids got to come over and see the Olympics, the event that they saw, which was the men's um, uh, big air final. Seb uh, Sebastian Tuton, Seb Toots won it. Um, you know, Gavin had hung out with him again when he was training periodically because he was here for periods of time, and so uh, and Senna I had brought to one event at at, at one point a couple. Uh, two years ago at the uh, U.S. Open of snowboarding. And so they knew the athletes. Uh, they knew what I'd kind of done and given and, and engaged in. They knew the extent of Mark's injury and what he'd been through and what we'd been through. And to to come and see a the athletes compete, a successful performance that I was part of this bigger picture um, and that it was in a country of their heritage that they truly enjoyed and got to see the culture and eat the food and engage, you know, with their grandparents. It really was, you know, essentially a trip, uh, you know, a trip of a lifetime. And it set us up where we returned back to Asia 
this fall for, for Vietnam. And my kids, I think it, you know, has inspired them to a larger picture of, of traveling the world. You know, we try to go to Costa Rica and, and a few spots, but, you know, and Gavin's now talked about wanting to go to Thailand. He's 12. Um, so, you know, he, he really wants to go back there and, and, and see it. So I think, I think really it was a, a really, it was a great experience awesome. for, for myself and, and my family. I know you had, uh, you know, we're getting to the end here. You had a big involvement in uh, Ryan Kessler's reaching a thousand games. And uh, I don't need you to go into the whole, all the things that was involved in that, because that's been written about and it was a pretty tough case. But what's the internal emotion for you when he, when he played that game? Um, uh, the inter- it, it's really the internal emotion for me is, is recognizing the emotion for him. Um, it's not, it's truly not about me. It's how impactful that moment was for him, for his family, for the people around that are closest to him and the sacrifices and the, and the difficulty and the, and the struggle that, 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 that was getting, getting, through that rehab to that, you know, milestone, which is a significant milestone in the NHL. Um, and they, you know, they don't count playoff games. They went through two lockouts and been through a history of five surgeries. Um, so I think it's more, it's, it's truly, it's truly not about me. It's truly more just seeing the impact on them and, and, and their families and how much that, that means to them. And, you know, I'm a, again, I'm a, portion and a piece of that we had a great team here up in vancouver um ben spore anthony finley you know uh, as, a, as a strength coach and program ben is physiology and load monitoring and ongoing engagement and and the duck staff is is the one that that are fundamentally managing him through the season and 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 providing him the opportunity day in and day out to to, to, to get out on the ice and they've been extremely open and engaging in, in the, the conversations about what we've done over the summer and going through the rehab um, that we've done and ideas. Mark Fitzgerald is great on talking about progressions and regressions and moving through and, and the staff has really managed him through that. So I'm, I'm one piece of it and I'm fully cognizant of that. Um, I, I know, again, I think, you know, we, we have a privilege that we're behind the external presentation. We know the realities. We know the difficulties of some of these processes. Um, you know, and in this day and age, you know, especially the sports that I work in from a Red Bull perspective or, or, or an X Games perspective, it's a very socially media-driven um, self-branding almost. You're ongoing. Like the amount of rehab sessions I've had, you know, where athletes are filming aspects or asking to film aspects of it or, you know, putting out, uh, out material. But, but often there's a, there's a reality to the situation as well that, that you truly know. And, and I know how hard that was for him. I know how hard it had been and I know what level he was at and what level he got to. So I was, you know, I was proud of, uh, of the involvement that I'd had to give him the opportunity for sure. Um, but I'm part of, part of a team, part of the process. And, and really the, the underlying emotion is, is, is it's just, it's really cool to see what it means to him. And, or when we look at other athlete rehabs, what it, you know, 
fundamentally what it means to them to get to get that shot to make it to 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 participate to perform at, at the elite level and 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 to know you've had some aspect that supported that very cool well as usual you and i could talk for hours and hours as we do from time to time when we do both <laughs> together but uh i can't take up all of your day so i want to finish with the final question um which you've probably heard before, but uh, when you pass from this earth, hopefully not for a long time, how would you like to be remembered by people? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I don't know, I just have them read your intro. Marvelous, <laughs> <laughs> um, man. You know, that's, that's really, uh, <laughs> it, 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 it's truly it. I, I, I feel, um, I, I, I feel, fulfilled or engaged in what I've done to date, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't seek for a, a massive legacy. Like I don't, you know, I'm not out to, you know, I've heard other presenters and, and really, you know, they're, they're looking to put out a, you know, promote and, and get their, you know, their book or their context or the material. I think that I would want to, you know, be remembered for it. You know, people are like, Oh yeah, he's a good guy. Um, uh, I, I want, I feel like I, I, I would like to be remembered for having given people an opportunity for success in, in whatever it, it defines for them. And whether that's returning to the workplace, whether that's participating in sport, whether that's uh, an opportunity to engage in, in a nature of, of life um, that they want to pursue. And, and that I was there, you know, there in, in a time of, vulnerability to empower support and, and encourage and and that's probably you know probably about it i think now as i've transitioned into you know if you had have asked me five five years ago um you know i would have said i probably would have said it would you know you know it's less about me and more about creating a legacy and i think you know we haven't really talked about it but i've had an opportunity in in, in 40 you know, to have a, a facility that's amazing and engaging and, and, and an opportunity to push the wake and hopefully change the landscape of rehab and, and athlete and community development and support over time. And, and I think that that's an incredible in, endeavor way with, with an Olympic medal. But that's basically nine, you know, we're at 2019. I mean, we probably were, that was 10 years ago. And it's still somebody that we're connected to and that, you know, reached out to, to comment on this podcast to, um, you know, she's now grown on to, uh, you know, to a professional, to a coach, to a broadcaster, to a mother. Um, but we're still fundamentally connected from that experience through that time. So I, I think that, you know, if, if you feel like you create value, you've provided uh, a service and you've given people an opportunity to be who they want to be to, to perform, whether or not they're successful on that day or every day, you know, as, you know, as you've defined, you know, failure is an opportunity to learn and grow um, and, and continue to, to develop yourself. So if I've played a part in that, that's probably how I want to be remembered. Awesome. Good way to finish my friend. Outstanding uh, hour and a bit with you. I hope I didn't uh, take too much more of your time than I should have and uh, look forward to the next time we actually share a beer. Absolutely. Pleasure. Thank you, Scotty. And, and, you know, congratulations on on this podcast series and the success of it. And I know that it's been an intrinsic drive in yourself for uh, 
something that you've aspired to as a as a radio DJ over time. But um, <laughs> but it's something that uh, that you clearly have enjoyed, and it's been enjoyable to listen to and to watch the and listen to the growth and, and development of it. So congratulations on the series and uh, continued success moving forward. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us today on Leave Your Mark. I hope we've left a mark on you today, and we wish only that you pay it forward by sharing this story, taking the time to rate and comment on this podcast. Please follow us at Twitter at Built by Scott and Instagram at King O'Pain, and become a member of this community at Scott G. Livingston on Facebook. Have a great day. Music by Cedric de Saint-Rome.